Wow. He has a grown-up meow now. He's a grown man now. He's a teen boy. He knows everything. Now that I'm seven months old, I know know everything. Hello. Hello. Hey. And welcome to Books Wackles. I am Mary. I'm going to be leading this episode. Buckle up, because I think I'm leading the next episode, too. For I led the last one. Every day is blurring together. What yeah, you led the last one. But you're doing the next one, too, aren't you, Mary? Mary's doing every episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, well. Uh, t- today we're discussing Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. This isn't as new as some of the books that we have been doing. It's doing lately. It's not that old, though. It came out like and I was able years. to get the paperback, which I love. Yeah, it's got a really cool cover. It got lots of good buzz when it came out. I've seen it lots of places on recommended lists and have wanted to read it for a long time, so I'm really excited we got the opportunity to read it. My little intro question for today. Uh, We are a little old to be students at a magical high school. Speak for yourself. But if you were a teacher at a magical high school, what would you teach? Or if you don't think you would be a teacher, what would your non-teaching magical job be? Um, I feel like I would be teaching like a um, magical art class of some kind. This is Kelly, by the way. Because, uh, you know, be I'm a graphic designer. For those of you uh, newly tuning in, I'm... I'm the artsy one, <laughs> but uh, I think I w- I think that would be cool. I feel like that's not really something that uh, was talked about in. I mean, we're going to talk about how this book relates to Harry Potter in a lot of ways, but um, you know, there's like portraits that talk and stuff, but who painted those? You know, mm-hmm. someone had to paint them, and whoever painted them had to be taught. Well, also in this book, there is discussion about like color. In magic, so yeah. like I feel like that's hinting that color there's, theory. yeah, there's a there's probably color theory, magical co- color theory happening in this yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. Plus, like art class is just a class at every high school, so mm-hmm. yeah. Well, if it's worth it, I mean, there's I mean it might be a bad art class, but it seems like most high schools have just like general. You didn't in my school you didn't have an art class at all i didn't have an art class what? at all hey fun fact it was very sad. i was art student of the month once in high school nice so. i mean i i went to an arts high school so we had like a lot of art classes but like i was not aware that there were high schools that literally didn't even have like art class <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm sorry you never got a chance to be art student of the month <laughs> Yeah. It's one of the highlights of my career. Just kidding. I think the teacher felt bad for me because I sucked. <laughs> I'll just go since I'm already talking. Um, this is Susan. <laughs> I don't think that I would be a teacher, mostly because I've tried teaching and it turns out it's not really in my calling. Um, so I think I would be a bartender. Um who makes magical mixes and potions and things. And when you drink them, something magic happens. 
I have to say, like, the part of this, um, the part of this book that made me the most jealous about not being magical was when she decided to just make her cocktail pink. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, I really wish I could do that. Like, you know, like, there's a bunch of other, like, much more advanced stuff happening in this book, but the pink cocktail really really driven me somewhere. Like, it just. I should have read that part to Justin, because every time he orders a cocktail, like, no matter what it is, it's always something that turns out to be pink. (laughs) And it usually has a flower in it. I'm not kidding. It's, like, probably 95% of the time. (laughs) I love a pink cocktail. Yeah. Um, This is Emily. Uh, I guess I'm going to be really boring and say I'd probably be teaching some sort of, like, literature, like, magical literature or something. Because uh, that's what I taught when I was a teacher. And um, I'm not teaching anymore. But. Um, you wouldn't be teaching magical bar? No. Yeah, what about magical exercise? Emily's the bar? magic you gym like, teacher. You could teach no, magic. No, but bar like, at I, hated, I hated gym in like school. I don't like that. But what if you taught like an acrobatic yoga class where you actually flew? That would be cool. But. Yeah, that would be cool. But I don't know. I feel like I'd probably just be teaching literature again because that's the way my life is. I'm going to say the same. I probably would just be teaching English Mm -hmm. and it would be like the one non-magical subject. Yeah. That the, like, creepy teacher in this book teaches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I think it also would be cool to be, like, the librarian. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. So, sorry to have such a boring answer. I have no, no imagination, I mean, I apparently. Also, I had time to think about this. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know. I guess it would be English. <laughs> I'll just say my regular yeah, yeah, Susan was the <laughs> Susan was the only one who picked uh, something outside of her actual field of work. Way to go, Susan. It's because I'm. It's because I'm. Right <laughs> it's because she just so. made herself a drink. All right. She's like, that's I could why do this I thought about it. I just mixed this drink, and I was like, "That's the moral good. of the story is we're all just dead inside, and we don't have any creativity left. <laughs> Pretty much, just in different ways. I can no longer imagine another life for myself. <laughs> <laughs> what if you know? Also, would be fun is teaching like uh, a magical animal class, like zoology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what, I mean, I guess we are going to end up talking about Harry Potter a lot, and I apologize for that, but, um, you know, reading the Harry Potter books, that's what I always thought, like, that I would like the best as a student would be Caramagical Creatures. Yeah. Like, that would 100% be my favorite class. I, and, like, before we say anything more about Harry Potter, we just want to make clear that we uh, do not believe in anything J.K. Rowling has said recently, so don't worry. Uh, you are safe. To keep listening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're reading a book by a non-binary disabled author who clearly is, like, playing in the sandbox that books like Harry Potter helped popularize, but... Well, and also literally references Harry Potter, yeah. like, within the first couple of pages. Yeah. So... Take that, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, Take fuck you. That. Uh, let's just get into <laughs> it. If you're sitting here thinking, like, ugh, I don't care about magic or high schools or this book uh and why are you listening please Please don't don't go go because we have an interview coming up 
in the second half of <laughs> the podcast. I love the thought of someone sitting here listening to us thinking that that exact like fuck this line. book and fuck these women and fuck school and fuck magic. And I love JK. How did I even and... start listening to this? <laughs> if you just want to skip all that and just get to the interview. Yeah, please reference the table of contents for an exact timestamp where you can yeah. go <laughs> for that. We will not judge you, especially because there are about to be a bunch of spoilers, especially because this is a mystery novel. And if you haven't read this, you might not want to be spoiled because mm-hmm. we will probably talk about who did the, the bad things. Before we get into spoiler territory, I will read, as traditional, the Goodreads uh, summary, which could be the book, ja- book jacket. I don't know. Ivy Gamble has never wanted to be magic. She's perfectly happy with her life. She has an almost sustainable career as a private investigator in an empty apartment and a slight drinking problem. It's a great life, and she doesn't wish she was like her estranged sister, the magically gifted Professor Tabitha. But when Ivy is hired to investigate the gruesome murder of a faculty member at Tabitha's private academy, the stalwart detective starts to lose herself in the case, the life she could have had, and the answer to the mystery that seems just out of her reach. Oh, that's it? Are you tantalized yet? thought that was gonna there was gonna be more no that's it that's it that's all you need to get you into it all right Um, yeah so from here on out we will be spoiling some things um just fyi my first talking point is like we gotta go here we've already mentioned a little bit obviously this book is kind of like dealing with being in the shadow of harry potter as all books about magical high schools must be now. And even though we have uh, lots of feelings about Harry Potter right now, like we have to address its relationship to this book. So how does Magic for Liars work to do something different than Harry Potter is doing? How does it create a magical school that is honestly, shockingly like a regular school? Yeah, I think one of the things that is interesting about it. And this kind of got me thinking like, obviously like this is a magical school, but it's from the adults perspective. Um, so I think that's part of what makes it seem more real is that when you are a kid in school, especially if it's like a boarding school where that's your whole life, like it's gonna feel different when you're like a kid in that school and you're in it from the adults perspective. From the adult's perspective, looking at these kids and their, like, high school drama and, like, this, like, snotty boy who, like, calls himself the chosen one, like, it all just seems a little, like, dumb, like, like high school bullshit, you know, in a way that maybe if we got Harry Potter from McGonagall's perspective. I was just going to (laughs) say McGonagall. Some of Harry's angst would probably seem pretty dumb as well, you know? Um, 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It also, like, answers a lot of the questions that, like, people tend to have about Harry Potter as far as, like, because it was written as, like, YA, sort of, or, like, a children's book, like, in, in as much as that, like, there's no sex, there's no... Like, it's nothing that's, like, being 
blatantly referenced and this book is like nobody's making magical dicks you know (laughs) (laughs) teenagers are like like put you know graffitiing magical like samantha is a slut graffiti onto lockers and like you know uh having magic abortions and things like that uh that are like never really referenced in harry potter so it's a little it's like i guess a little bit more like gritty and realistic in that way too um in that like high school is actually like gross and yeah like all of the like mundane things about and like i've talked i have a friend who i've talked to a lot about about like harry potter and he's always asking me like like, why is it that, like, all anyone in Harry Potter ever talks about is magic stuff? Like, they never talk yes. about anything other than, like, magic, like, what's going on with their magic. Like, everything they do is magic-related and magic-involved. And this book is very, like, focused a lot more on relationships. And magic is kind of, like, the background noise, in a, in a way. Yeah, I was, I've only read one Harry Potter book, but that was the thing that I was going to say was that it doesn't feel like the magic is the center of this. Like the, the main like problems that these high school students have are just like real life problems that they're either trying to solve with magic or they're using magic to do other things, but like getting Mm -hmm. pregnant is not magical. (laughs) I mean, I mean, it's I mean, magical. It sounds it super not magical. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that can happen to non-magic people. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want any pregnant people listening to this to be like, hey, my baby is magical. No, I mean, yeah. there's like the miracle of life. <laughs> baby but there's is also wonderful. a lot of gross realities to being pregnant, you know, that I think pregnant people would confirm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. also, like, the existence of, like, like cancer is... Yes a theme here and like things that also can't be solved by magic that are very human things um which i think is also not really something that is addressed in a lot of like magic but with humans books you know Mm -hmm. but also while while this is from the adult's perspective and she does adult things throughout like drinking and like so much drinking sex with so someone much at least so um yeah i know i'm like are you quarantined <laughs> um although it's from an adult's perspective like and she i don't did she ever say her actual age because she talks about having salt and pepper i assume i assumed i assumed she was like <laughs> at least mid-30s because people kept talking about how like yeah you know maybe you should think about settling down and having a baby because you're not getting any younger and like i don't think yeah i was like wow she must be exactly 32 32 because that's all anyone's (laughs) yeah i was thinking like early 30s (laughs) um i know that like like salt and pepper hair sometimes implies older but i also know a lot of people who are like my age who have gray hair oh yeah I got oh, my first gray hair when I was twenty one. Salt and pepper since Girl, I was twenty one. We just said the same shit. <laughs> oh my god. Twenty one gray club. Remarkably have yeah, still not had one. Um just waiting for it at this point. I have like but. one gray oh, hair. Is that? That's really good for you. Yeah. But my I'm dad so was gray. One gray hair. I hate 
I think I think gray hair is cute. Like this is honestly. listen, bitches who don't have gray hair always be saying gray hair is cute. Come talk to me when it's your gray hair. Well, okay, also, I like people's gray hair grows in in different ways. Yeah, mine is not yeah. cute. Mine is like I think my hair looks a lot cuter when I dye it. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, and that's why I dye. I've it. dated people who have it, and it's cute. But like, I find it attractive anyway. on other people. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I find it very attractive on men. But we won't get into that. Um, I find it attractive on men and women because, just in case you guys forgot. I'm bisexual. <laughs> I saw this tweet the other day that was like, being bisexual is every five minutes, if you haven't reminded people that you're bisexual, you have to do it again. <laughs> it's like when you do CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Imagine being bisexual, vegan, and doing CrossFit. <laughs> like how... You wouldn't even need an, a personality at that point. How would you have you time to date. talk about all three of those things? Like, you'd have to quit your job. Yeah, one thing you would. I kind of. Oh wait, hold on. I didn't yeah. get. I didn't actually get to what I was saying oh, there. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really went off on a tangent there. Sorry, sorry, Mary. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Although it is from a vaguely mid thirties perspective, um, and she does adult things, it does feel like. It, it almost feels YA in some ways. Like, a lot of her own, like, emotional concerns are rooted in a much younger time in her life. And right. she still has, like, really similar uh, emotional experiences, it seems like, to the people who are in high school. And she and her sister, I'm going to say, are a little emotionally stunted <laughs> from, like, the age they stopped talking, probably, which was 15 years ago. So... Anyway, that's all. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah. No, now I'm just thinking about that. It's also, though, you know, like, something really traumatic happened to them. Mm-hmm. And I get yeah. why they have some of those hang-ups, but some of it I don't understand. Maybe I can't understand. Um, like, I was completely... Um, like, I didn't know how to process Ivy drinking so much. I can process, like, I can understand drinking and wanting to drink, but having just, like, bottles and bottles and bottles lined up. Yeah. Uh, like, this is maybe a problem. Yeah, I think I think we were supposed to understand that it was a problem, right. though. Yeah, I mean, I know, yeah. but I was just or, like... as Goodreads calls it, a slight problem. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Which Goodreads. is definitely how I would describe it if it was my own. <laughs> right. When I was like she flight. doesn't think it's a problem, but I think like the book knows that it's a yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I the thing that I found so great about this, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, is I love that the high school is a magical high school and they're doing stuff like theoretical magic and practical magic or physical magic or whatever. But then they also have like practical English. magic. Yeah, <laughs> which which Emily and Mary would be and, teaching. And yeah, like because they're like this book is like there is a realistic, like this book doesn't is the other thing that makes it different from Harry Potter is that in Harry Potter like the wizarding world is like its own separate world and it's secret and like you yeah it's yeah. secret and like you don't really interact with like 
non-magical people right. on a day-to-day basis because all the businesses you go to are magic. All the, like, everything is magic. Where this book seems to be a lot more, like, both things are kind of integrated. We don't see that much of the world outside of the high school, but you get the impression that, like, not everyone knows that magic is a thing, but it's not like people go out of their way to, like, make sure that nobody is, like, spreading this information, you right. know? Well, yeah, like, Ivy has that conversation with the bartender right. early on, and he doesn't know that magic exists, but she feels, like, pretty comfortable just telling him without sounding like he'll think she's yeah. insane or something. Right. So, yeah, it's, like, not secret. Yeah. But not everyone knows. But if I told you, you might believe it. <laughs> so also, so like this is the bo- a book about a magical high school, and like, what would it be like if you uh, could take magic classes and also English? What would that yeah. be like? Um, and it's also about Ivy, the protagonist, who ha- maybe has a slight drinking problem. <laughs> but it's also a mystery novel. We've read mystery mm-hmm. novels before. Like once. Yeah. Like once. <laughs> no, we read a couple. Sherry Lapina. Oh, well. That's not uh, even Tana French. Tana French. Yeah. No, Tana French is the only one that I Ninth think House was kind of a mystery. Sherry Lapina was kind of. Within a. Kind of. I didn't say a good mystery. It was kind of a mystery. Was it even a mystery? <laughs> <laughs> but. Here, here's the thing about Tana French that makes it more similar to this than the other things that we've read is that it's it's detective fiction. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, like, this is also, first and foremost, before it's magic, the way that it's written especially makes it fall into the detective fiction genre. Like, yeah. it's got a lot of that, like, detective fi- fiction, like, I don't know, like, smart-ass detective talk yeah. in it, which yeah. which Tana French does a lot in her books as well. It's also it's got very, a very, like, noir. Yeah, yes. I was about to say, it's like a very noir, like, a dame walks into the office and says, I've yeah. got a job for you. Yeah, I was really wondering if Raul was going to turn into the femme fatale, actually. I was worried that he was going to be, like, the villain. And I was very pleased that he wasn't, because I was like, he's so adorable, and I love him. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, no, he just got to be a squishy baby. And I was was like, I I would date this man. My question is, and this is exactly what I want to talk about, is like, how is this book working as a mystery novel, especially for people... Like Emily and Susan, who love mystery books, love a mystery. <laughs> Do you think it being set in a mag- in a world where magic exists adds anything to it? Do you think the mystery would work if the world wasn't magical to some- to whatever extent? And what do we think about like some of those tropes that Sarah Gailey is playing with, like Raoul maybe being the femme fatale? I definitely think we're baited to think that, at least for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, the mystery, I mean, this is just just obvious, but, like, the mystery would not be able to happen without the magic, because, like, the death is, like, magical. And it's, like, much more magical even than we realize. Like, once we find out what happens at the end, it's, like, very much rooted in, like, magic experimentation and stuff like that that would, like, I don't think, and this is, you know, like, spoilers all the way out there, um, Obviously, like, um, I don't think a normal person would be like, I'm going to try to 
take all of the cancer out of this person just like I'm gonna do a huge in... experimental surgery in the library yeah right like yeah. I don't I don't think that would happen without that without magic right (laughs) like you wouldn't just be like let me get a scalpel and go for it although like when you sit back and think about it that's basically like it's really not that far off from what she did um like it's especially like when you get into like how she uh performed uh, an abortion and how like she didn't use like any anesthesia and then she was just like oops you know like Yeah, yeah. If you Somebody don't else do read it. The book, and you just want to know what happened. Listen on. But so, if, if you want to know, mystery, the mystery that she gets called in to solve is that this teacher was found in the library, literally split in half, like a book. <laughs> Her body just like laying there in a puddle of blood. Yeah. Uh, and they said, like you know, the magical uh, law enforcement department or whatever called the Miz said that it was they basically ruled it like an accident that this teacher probably was just experimenting uh with theoretical magic and just fucked up and died because that's what happens Um, with theoretical magic yeah it seems that way yeah yeah but you know after a long uh twisting and turning course of events we find out that actually uh ivy our private detective her sister tabitha was who was in a relationship with sylvia the woman who died um was trying to remove cancer from sylvia's body using magic uh and she was trying to do it in because like the way that they describe healing the healing process which i thought was really interesting um yeah in this book is that basically the healer has to like use their magic to kind of take apart a body and pull out the infection and then put it back together um so anyway this this is what she was trying to do she was trying like you can heal easily something that's like an infected cut or wound or something like that but when it comes to cancer that is especially cancer like this that Sylvia had which is like in every part of her body it would take like three days almost yeah it took like three days and all of this ridiculous magic and she like apparently actually was able to remove all of it but as she was trying to put her back together she like fell asleep because she had been awake for three days and when she woke up sylvia was dead um so that was what happened that's the most yeah. so that's what we find part. out yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you come back from that as a person. It's very, it's very depressing, but it's also, like, it was hard for me to feel as much empathy for Tabitha as I wanted to because of all the things that she did to get to this point, such as experimenting medically on a teenager. Yeah, right. that's uh, kind of, like, which the, is how they arrive at the conclusion that Tabitha did it is because one of the students had a magical abortion and uh you know it's kind of like which sounds so crazy because like <laughs> like because you think magical abortion well, it's, yeah, not, it's still not fun there's a yeah. surgical abortion yeah but usually like magic abortion. we think you know oh it'll be it's fun the equivalent no. of a back alley abortion yes yeah with magic basically 
And it, there's so. like this whole thing of like the popular girl in school, Alexandria, who's really mean. And there's like a bunch of weird power dynamic stuff going on there with her. And then her brother, who thinks he's the chosen one, gets this other girl who's in Alexandria's clique pregnant. And that girl tries to have an abortion. She's too far along to have a medical abortion. So she has to have a Well, well she's too, not far too far along to have. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. She, she's just not willing to tell her parents uh, what happened, so she can't well, go get a Right. She's too far abortion. along she's to have the potion. Have the potion. Yeah. Abortion. Yeah, the magic one. She's too far along to right. have the magic one. She's too far along right. to have standard like, magic potion one. <laughs> the magic like, she could go abortion. to, like, a. Yeah, she could go to an actual doctor (laughs) but she's like i didn't wanna i couldn't yeah my dad (laughs) knows all the doctors and so your dad does not know every doctor of the world sit down so they get also like oh sorry i don't know at that point i'd be like just like what like are they gonna literally say no and make you have the baby maybe maybe she didn't really go into it but through Hmm. all of that drama that's how ivy finds out that her sister did the magical surgery abortion on a student without anesthetic. Mm-hmm. And the student is traumatized. Shock. Yeah. 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 Her body was split apart. Yeah. And um, she, as I said, used no anesthesia. So there you go. Just imagine. And she had to watch. Like the student watched yeah. as her body was in pieces. Right. Yeah. <gasps> so. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, but the reason that, that that smaller mystery of what was going on with the abortion leads to Tabitha is because when the student tries to procure this magical abortion too far along, Sylvia won't do it mm-hmm. at first. And then but Alexandria, the mean girl, has seen... Tabitha and Sylvia together in what she calls a compromising position. So she knows that they are seeing each other and Mm -hmm. that, um, and Tabitha says that if, like, there's rules against any faculty members fraternizing, they both would have lost their jobs. So she pretty much blackmails Tabitha into doing the abortion. I thought about this for a long time. She's like, I'm going to try the cancer thing. I thought about this for a long time because I'm like, mm, even if there are rules that you can't have relationships with other teachers, at the end of the day, you're both still adults in a consenting relationship. Yeah. Like, yeah. can a teenager consent to a medical procedure that's going <laughs> to traumatize? Right. I don't know. Yeah, I I also was thinking that the the blackmail is a little weak because I'd be like, I, I okay, think tell. even if you were going to get fired and there wasn't this other abortion thing on the line, you would, if you really were in this loving relationship, you'd probably risk it. Like you're yeah. going to get real fired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like this is like, abortion. you're taking, this is like, you'll, you're keeping your job, but you risk. might kill someone. <laughs> you might kill someone. Yeah. Like <laughs> go to magic jail. I don't know. I wonder, though, if because Sylvia was so sick, she just thought, like, fuck everything, whatever, and that's what happened, but. Yeah, I mean, either way, it's, 
it seems like an unrealistic blackmail situation, but also like the fact that Tabitha did any of this is evidence that she is like willing to do insane shit. So I guess <laughs> maybe like it makes sense that she did it. I don't know. Tabitha did mm-hmm. some shitty things like as a teenager also. That yeah. I mean, I know like teenagers can be shitty. But that mirror thing was really oh, yeah. shitty. Mean. <laughs> like, I don't know. That sounds like some shit I would do to my brother when I was a kid, really honestly. That made me sad. Like, it like, really made me sad. That just made me nostalgic for the old times with my brother. They weren't so. that young, though. <laughs> they were, like, teenagers. Yeah. They were, like... Yeah. This isn't, like... And it was, like, really... Six-year-old It was extra Emily mean because she trick. was... Yeah. Yeah. And it was mean because she was, like, really sad that she couldn't go, like, mm-hmm. with her. It's like, why would you do that? Like, they they weren't even, like, there's nothing good to come out of that for for either of I don't know. It was yeah. not just, like, a And prank. she did it, it like, for a long time, like, trying to talk to her. And, like, that made me really sad. Yeah. Bummer. That's not as bad as the abortion. <laughs> I mean, to be clear also, though <laughs> ivy the whole book is from ivy's perspective like 100 percent, and we know things that tabitha did from their childhood but we know it from ivy's perspective everything's coming from ivy's perspective and i said it earlier i don't know but i trust her as a narrator um yeah yeah, I mean, the whole... It was interesting. Sorry. Oh, no. I was, uh, I was just gonna say... Uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say... You go, you go. The whole book is kind of, like, set up on this concept that everyone can make choices. You can choose to tell the truth. You can choose to lie. And Ivy spends a lot of time in the novel thinking about her identity and the self that she presents to other people. And she thinks sometimes, like, oh, I'm choosing to be this person I'm not... So I can get in good with Rahul, who I am forming a crush on. Or I, you know, can lie to my sister about how I actually feel about her. And so that's, like, where the title comes from, playing with the idea of making choices to lie or not. But it also makes her a little unreliable. Sorry, Kelly. Oh, I was just gonna, like, say that, um, I, I feel like she isn't actually unreliable as a narrator though because anytime she lies like right away she tells us that she's lying that's you know? true so i i didn't ever feel like i couldn't trust her because she'd be like i don't care about magic okay i, I do. don't care a little bit <laughs> right um because it felt kind of it didn't feel like she was talking to a stranger. It felt like she was, it was kind of like her inner dialogue that she was telling herself. And so she was never lying to herself so fully that she didn't realize that she was lying to herself, you know? Cause like when you're lying to yourself about things, you're never, I mean, some people I guess are, but you're always lying to yourself in a way where you're like, I know that I'm lying to myself, but I'm doing this to continue to get through, you know? I'm not, like, lying to myself and then believing it, <laughs> you know? Like, I feel like there's always a part of a person who knows the truth. So, I I did trust her, even though 
she tries to it's like she wants to be a liar but she like really isn't good at lying to herself at least yeah I don't know what about it was because I just like at the end of the novel found myself not liking Ivy as a protagonist no I don't I don't think we're supposed to like her and I think part of the problem is like she doesn't really like herself very much um and we're so in her head that like that's what we see also yeah yeah i didn't dislike her yeah i've read a lot of reviews that say that she's unlikable it's my favorite i have just remembered my favorite review because i i looked at some goodreads reviews (laughs) right before gotta love a goodreads review yeah (laughs) <laughs> I remember nothing else from it except it just started off by calling Ivy a muggle. <laughs> like oh it was God. like this muggle goes to this magic school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like so before I read this novel, I drug muggle. I peer pressured Todd into buying the book, so I didn't have to. Oh yeah, it. I want to hear about why Todd hated it. Yeah, he hated it. Fully know? Is he there right now? Yeah, he's here. Let's get. Ask let's have man. Todd's corner. Ask a man returns. Ask a man. It's been a while since we've done Ask a Man because we are tired of hearing what men have to say usually. <laughs> but here Pop one is. Here Pop one is. Katrina's coming in here too. She's like, "Did you say ask a man, or did you mean ask a tiny gray cat? Ask a tiny gray cat. <laughs> Definitely ask a tiny gray cat. Wild cat. Wild cat. Sing it out. <laughs> yeah. Todd is wearing a High School Musical oh. T-shirt. This is hey, wild cat. Yeah, that's crucial for everyone listening to know that the opinion you are about to hear is from a man wearing a wild cat <laughs> T-shirt. Which I fully support. <laughs> Back is completely coming Try! off. Try. Right now I can hardly. Ah, you can do it. Just know that I believe. That's all I really, all I really need. Come on. Make me strong. That's a musical high school. Get on! Magical. I think you're on the wrong podcast. We're talking about magical high schools. Uh This isn't music for liars, Todd. After I pressured you into buying this novel, you read it and Mm -hmm. you didn't like it. Why didn't you like it? Please. We didn't. None of us. I don't think any of us loved it. So you can go. Okay. Cool. It's been a few months since I read it, but in general, Katrina. Katrina has a comma. Katrina's scratching. And it is scratch, scratch, scratch. Okay. <laughs> okay, a couple things. Hated the okay, romance. Seems completely Aww. unnecessary. I like I it. Mean, no, no, no. Look, like in general, it. I love romance. So I was mad that it was, like, to me it was just kind of boring. and Like, you knew it was going to work. You just weren't attracted bad. to Rahul like the rest of us were. It's fine. I guess maybe not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tracks. Um... Who I was imagining as Dev Patel. I really wanted them to do it. They really did not get a chance to do it. Yeah. I was rooting for them. 
Yeah, I didn't love that. that. The stuff with the sister, it. like, it became pretty apparent that, that they weren't, like, the author wasn't actually invested in the relationship of the sisters. Or, I don't know. I, I'm, that wasn't great. The, like, I, I think what ultimately it is, is that, like, the ending was unsatisfying. And I think the ending was supposed to be unsatisfying, but it wasn't unsatisfying. In a way that satisfied you. In a way that satisfied me. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Todd. Thanks. I have a PhD in English literature. <laughs> Liar. And that's what happens when you ask a man. Just that's kidding. True. They don't have good answers. Man, they will give a PhD to any white dude, won't they? They, really, they truly will. Put no, that on I my appreciate that. I think you're right. In case you think we're being mean, some of us got PhDs from the same institution. Yeah. Some of us, like most of us here. <laughs> In case you think we're being Three mean, quarters. one of us doesn't have any higher education other than her normal bachelor's degree. So, But you do CrossFit. And so. I am the meanest one. <laughs> you get you. Yeah, I was gonna say you're also probably making the most money, have the fewest student loan debt. <laughs> yeah, you probably are making the most. Money. Actually, I think I... Susan probably is. But <laughs> do we just want to rate it? Yeah. Sure. I'll, I'll go. F- oh. oh, you go. You go. I'll go third. It's not traditional for the person. We have a tradition leading it to begin, but I'll go ahead. I felt really conflicted about this novel because I loved the world and I loved the setting and I liked finding out new and new things. And the whole concept of magical surgery is so cool and terrifying and just wild that I initially, when I first finished it immediately i gave it a four but having some days to think about it i think i'm going to take it back down to a three um i enjoyed it i would definitely tell other people to read it but i think you just have to kind of like be aware Mm -hmm, that it might not satisfy you in the end which is okay yeah i uh feel similarly and i'm gonna give it a three uh I think, like, I, it was, like, an an enjoyable read. It was an easy read, and I got through it pretty quickly. I finished, like, a couple of days ago, which, like, if I'm having a more difficult time, I'll finish closer to the finishing point. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was, it was fun and, and interesting, and there were, like, cool, magical things happening. I think I just was a little underwhelmed by, like, the overall... Like, the characters, and except for Raul, who is my boyfriend. Um, but, like, I, I just felt, like, like Todd said, the relationship with the sisters, like, all of these things felt a little bit underdeveloped. And um, in service of, I'm not really sure what, because I think that there was a lot of, like, dilly-dallying about the mystery and, like, going back and forth about... Like, who could have been... And I'm sure that, like, that's how... I Again, I don't read a lot of mysteries, so I'm sure that that's not uncommon. But for me, I would have liked to see more time dedicated to, like, fleshing out these people a little bit more, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just me. I'm, I'm always more of a, like, character-driven person than a plot-driven person, so... Yeah. But I liked it. Well, I know... I know Susan said she wanted to go third, so I guess that means I'm going last. <laughs> I just said 
that <laughs> for no yeah. reason. Um, but I'm also giving it a three. Um, like Kelly said, it was like, I felt like I got through it really quickly. And maybe that's sort of another thing that felt kind of YA about it to me is it was like, it felt like a, a pace that I get more from yeah YA novels. But um, the biggest problem I had with it is that this this murder, or murder, what they thought was right. a murder, had already been investigated by the magic police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they didn't figure out that magic had been done to make it happen. You know, like, I almost had, I almost wish that what had caused her to die would have been not magic. Like, something that they couldn't have figured out that, like, only Ivy could have because yeah. of something. So it it seemed like, well, I guess why is she the person that that can? I guess because it was like no one knew that she had cancer except for like I guess they didn't. Well, that and that's the thing is like if she went and got like you know tested and found out that she had cancer, how did they not have access to like her medical records from before the like autopsy report? Yeah, it seemed like they must have just showed up and been like, I don't know, this woman obviously accidentally got cut straight in half. I mean, it happens all the time. Like, I'll see you later. Sounds like what police would do, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not that surprising (laughs) to think that uh, the the police slash investigative... Yeah, that they would do a fucking shitty job, because that sounds about right. I think I just wanted, like... I, the mystery itself to me wasn't all that yeah wasn't as compelling as I would like and maybe it's it might be because I'm also reading a ton of French book right now and it's just like <gasps> which one are you reading in, in the mystery department it's just far superior to this so um faithful place I the one love that, that one I love yeah, all of them. the one that Frank but, yeah. Mackey is narrating yeah. she has a new one um, coming out later this year awesome yee. Yeah, and I mean that might be why, but I just the mystery itself I didn't find like all yeah. that compelling. It wasn't or even really all that mysterious. <laughs> yeah. Um but I still I enjoyed reading it. I just wouldn't like if I was recommending it to someone who wanted a mystery, this isn't probably the thing I would yeah, point them to first. Mhm. Or first through six. All of those would be ton of French novels. Yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> I would second ton of French um I think a really great ton of French, if you just want a mystery and you don't, if you don't want to get all up in the whole series, whatever, the, um, the witch elm is great. Um, and very character driven also, but all of that aside, let's talk about this book. Um, so I think let's talking about it as a mystery. Um, one of the things that I think you need for a good mystery is for all the clues to be there. Um, and I think for this, like looking back, all the, all the clues are in there early. Like they're setting it up, you know, looking back that it, it makes sense. And you've been given the Tabitha clues. Tabitha even says, sorry to interrupt you during your no, time. No, no, you're fine. But she even says at one point early on, she's like, well, she was dying. And right. Ivy's like, what? And Tabitha's like, never mind. And it's early enough where you kind of forget that she said that by the time yeah. <laughs> it's revealed. Yeah. Um, 
I did. I did think it's it's frustrating when a mystery is like really surprising because you feel like you uh, have been tricked. However, like this one wasn't like surprising at all. Yeah. I mean, it was horrifying when you realize like how it all went down. But the fact that it was Tabitha who did it and the fact that she had cancer and all that stuff, like that wasn't really surprising in the end, I think, because it was set up. And I think that's it's one of the things that's really hard about writing mysteries is like how you set it up so that all the clues are there, but like still make it um, feel yeah like a, a revelation. It didn't at feel the surprising. End. Um, yeah. And I don't. Right. I don't feel like this is accomplishing that. Um, I did find it entertaining, and I I was kind of teetering somewhere between a 3 and a 4. I would probably give this a 3.5 if I could, and I was, like, kind of going back and forth, and we were like, I gave it a 3, and then I was like, well, I feel bad because, like, maybe I would recommend this to some people, so maybe i give it a 4, but I think I'm going to go back down to a 3 after we talked about it, um, just because I'm not, like... I don't feel like very enthusiastic about it, but I think if if I was talking to somebody who enjoyed fantasy and enjoyed mysteries, I'd be like, you should read it. And I think you it know? like it made me want to read Sarah Gailey's so, yeah. other work. Like they just came out with a YA novel. Yes, that, it's like a group of magical girls. Yeah. That sounds really cool. And they also um, just came out with a sci-fi western novel, which sounds really Ooh, cool. Upright women wanted. Mm. Um, so yeah, I told you about this one. It's like the the outlaw librarians. I told you about it. I just remembered again and got excited. A lot of the, yeah, (laughs) a lot of the Goodreads reviews that I saw were talking about, like they were written by people who had read other stuff by Sarah Gailey and really loved that stuff. And were kind of disappointed that this wasn't as good as their other work. Um, so I, and not like that I put a ton of stock in like everyone else's review, but I would, it, what they were saying about um, other characters that Sarah Gailey has written sound like more well-developed and kind of more imaginative and stuff. And so I, I would read their other stuff. Too. Yeah, I, I really, for me, I think Upright Women Wanted sounds super good like feminist outlaw librarians sign me up it's a great title put it on my want to read list emily do you want to introduce the interview yes okay let's move on so i interviewed karen salyer mcmurray um she is a fiction and nonfiction writer but her most recent book is a novel and i thought um it would be a really interesting read to pair with this novel and you might see why after I read this summary real fast. <clears throat> Maricel Loving's world comes crashing down when her mother Ruby is murdered during a fortune telling session gone wrong. Not that she had much of a stable world to lose in the first place. The free spirited mother daughter duo had never remained in one place for very long. Without the guidance of her mother, Miracel grows up following the only path she knows. I don't know if you can hear this moo in the background just meowing and meowing away. Um, but yeah, 
uh, traveling from town to town, sometimes fortune-telling, picking up odd jobs to fill the time and escape the ever-present lostness she can't seem to run far enough away from. Uncertain of what she wants, and indeed whether she wants anything or anyone at all, the now 30-something-year-old finds herself working as a card reader in a Knoxville dive bar, selling fictions as futures, when she is confronted with her mother's ghost voice, promising to reveal the truth about her shadowy past. Desperate for answers, Miracell sets out on a magical road trip unlike any other in search of her own story and a father she's never known. Following snowy highways and back roads, Miracell stumbles across a museum of oddities and a hole-in-the-road town called Radiant, ultimately wandering into the town of Smite, where she begins waitressing at the Black Cat Diner. Here she befriends card-playing has-been Russell Wallen, whom she joins for a series of nighttime adventures, mm. long drives, and after-dark visits to a Holy Roller Church. This book truly has everything. This mythical journey uncovers family secrets and forgotten truths, transforming a familiar story of love and betrayal to reveal the binding power of magic and memory. So, here's that interview. I'm here talking to Karen Salyer McElmurray about her new book, Wanting Radiance. <laughs> so I, the first thing I was going to ask you was just, you know, like, how have you been? And <laughs> because I know this is like a really weird time and we haven't talked in a while. Um, you know, what's been going on with you and how has it been trying to promote this book in the During middle the of COVID pandemic madness. You oh, said you did, uh, like, an online thing yesterday. I've been doing online things. I've done now three bookstore events, which mm -hmm. is good. Yeah. I've done um, a couple of other podcasts, one um, called Now Appalachia that I did the other day, and another one that comes out of Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, it's good, but... I mean, it's by no means the same sitting here talking to you on Skype as it would be, you know, going to a reading and meeting people. Yeah. And I feel, too, that maybe people are getting burnt out on online events. You know, there's always something every day, people asking you to go. Mm -hmm. So that's a challenge. And I feel, you know, I've, I've like I am doing a lot of it. The press for a while had a publicist. That was good. Uh -huh. But it's been more me. And, you know, even with you, I was thinking, God, I feel like I'm pestering this woman to death. <laughs> but I'm trying so hard to try to get the book out there because it's a really weird time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it came out in April, which is the first month, really. Right. So um, it's been... It's been interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, it, you know, books that are coming out right now, I think probably, I, I can't say because I, like, I don't have a book coming out right now, so I, I can only speculate, but I feel like books coming out in, like, July, August, they had a little bit more time maybe to, like, prepare for what promoting a book and trying to sell a book during this time would be like, whereas, like, if your book came out in March, April, you kind of had other plans. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, they had already, the press, gotten together the catalog for the book, and they had already sent out information, and I was trying to say, please, can't we wait mm -hmm. till July? Mm -hmm. And they really didn't want to do that, so that was a bummer. <laughs> I so, will say, um, 
for me, the positive thing about, cause you know, I've been attending a lot of book events online. Um, the positive thing for me is like, I live in a town that doesn't really have a bookstore. Um, and so, you know, we don't have access to as many events like that here. So it's been really nice suddenly having access, not just to book events, but to like the arts in general with everything going online. And so I'm hoping, you know, I do think that exhaustion is real, but I'm hoping that maybe when things get up and running again, we can maybe learn from this and there can continue to be access for areas that don't have access to stuff like that. Do you have something to say about that? Did you meow? Yeah. <laughs> he went, yeah. So let's talk about the book. Okay. All right. Um, and I'm going to start with the thing I'm most interested in because, you know, it's my interview, so I get to do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, especially recently, because I write as well, um, I've been, I've written some stories that have included um, tarot reading and fortune telling. So that was something that really interested me about this book. Um, and I was curious about how much research did you do into tarot reading, palm reading, fortune telling before you wrote this book? Um, because when I write about that kind of stuff, I always worry, like, what if somebody who, like, actually does this for a living reads it and says, like, this is not how it is, you know? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, the first thing I could say, and I'm going to turn the computer around again, look here at, on the shelf. Can you see this? Yes. Yeah. We have the mother piece. We have the writer's eching. There's two other decks of t three, actually, of tarot cards. So I, it's not, I didn't get those for the book. I mean, I just sort of have them because I read I don't know how to read them well, but yeah. I do check in with the tarot quite a bit. In fact, do you remember Ardeth Brown? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She just sent me, she lives in Baltimore, so I see her some. She got me a tarot reading for my birthday in oh. September, and I just had this great conversation with this guy online. It was really, really wonderful, and I can't remember the name of the deck, or I would tell you, but... Um, that so I'm interested and involved with that kind of thing. Um, I will say in the book, I would look up a card, and I don't know the cards myself. I have to use the book to look up the um, the meaning of the card. And for the purposes of wanting radiance, I was picking cards that were seemed more. Sometimes I did cards that seems, seemed suitable to where the character was in the book. And then sometimes I was looking at cards and picking ones that, uh, sometimes I did readings for her. <laughs> I, I, I'm embarrassed to say that. But no, it that sounds really to do that. So there's that. And then um, the, the story I really like to tell is part of where the book came from was a fortune teller. Do you oh. want to hear that? Yes, I would love to hear that. So I lived then in Weaverville, North Carolina, which is outside of Asheville, and I had had, you've had devastating breakups, I know, with relationships. I'd had a very devastating breakup, 
with somebody I was with for nine years. So I'm like, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and one person said, here, you try this charm. And you're, my friend Christine and I went outside. And you're supposed to say this charm and then write it on an egg and bury it under the full moon. So we did that. And, of course, it didn't work. And Christine <laughs> said it didn't work because we buried a boiled egg, not a new egg. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But then around that same time, it's like, how can I bring him back to me? How can I bring him back to me? And I went to this fortune teller, um, and um, she lived in a trailer up in this little hill near the Ingalls in Weaverville. And um, what she did was read photographs, the shadows in photos. And so I went into the trailer, and this is really sort of sort of where some of the book came from but you go in and there's no one in the in the living room at all and this voice says come on back here so i go in the back room and she was in this gigantic bed with a giant velvet headboard and this woman probably weighed 350 pounds something like that and she had to be in the bed because she had been shot by her lover years ago oh my goodness I know, which is a really <laughs> ironic thing for a fortune teller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she looks at, so I have a picture of George with me, several of them. She looks at the one, and here's, here's George standing with some trees behind him. And she says, oh, look at this shadow, and look at this shadow. And she said, there's a lot you don't know. And I thought, well, that is absolutely true. <laughs> there's a lot I don't know. But all of that, you know, my love of, seeking sort of magic mm -hmm. to resolve things i have done it numerous times so but that seeing that fortune teller originally that was ruby loving i made her that character and then she evolved into something completely different but she, ruby came from real interest in fortunes so that's interesting and this isn't exactly, you know, we, we're just going to let it go the way we're going. I'm just going to set that, that to the that? side for a second. So that makes me, that's, so knowing that, it, I'm curious about how you decided to make her a mother character. Well, <laughs> as I say, this book took probably um, maybe seven years to work on, more. And at the beginning, she was the woman in the trailer. Mm -hmm. And initially, Miracell has always been there as her daughter. Initially, Miracell's name was Way Dean, and Way Dean was the caretaker for this enormous fortune teller who'd been shot by her lover. But then I got interested in Ruby, and I wanted to know about Ruby's lover, and I wanted to know how Ruby became a fortune teller. And then the more I dove into her story, she became someone else. And the more I, she became someone else, parts of the book became in her point of view. Mm -hmm. so, I don't Does that answer that for now? For yeah, sure. no, that works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was just kind of wondering because you said that and obviously what you're saying about this woman, uh, I can see the connection, but obviously the character in this book is very different from that. So I can see that she there's... Like she became her own person and it, it didn't suit the body of that fortune teller I met. Right. But the shooting became important to the book, setting all these things in motion. Right. Um, so 
I want to talk to you about religion because uh. that plays an important role in the book. And as I was like, I was kind of like writing about that as I was reading. And so like my question kind of like evolved as I got further in the book. Um, so I don't know if this is even going to make sense at this point. We're just going to go with it. I'm going to see, like, what did I write down? Okay, let's, let's see. figure it out. <laughs> let's figure it out question. together. Um, so I don't know. I just want to talk about what this book is doing with religion versus mythology versus spirituality versus magic and how these things um, work together or are they at odds with each other or is it a, like, is it both? Does that make sense? It does. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, I, I can answer it most from my own experience, right. which becomes Miracell's experience in many ways. I mean, I grew up primarily with my mother's family, very fundamental, fundamentalist people, uh, like as in speaking in tongues. Wow. <laughs> they, went, they went to churches like that. And I went myself to those churches when I was very little. But began, my father wasn't like that. He was more of a the middle of the road sort of Baptist, middle class, you know, conventional Baptist church guy. But I reacted against all of that when I was in high school. I didn't go to church for years. I think I'm, I, over the years have gone to Quaker services, Episcopalian services, Roman Catholic ser services. I'm interested in Buddhism. Done all that. I feel like it all really, if you take it and it's a big ball of yarn, a tangle of yarn, somewhere in the middle of that tangle, there's the spirit, there is spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I think magic is part of that. I think tarot cards, not necessarily, they're not necessarily part of my faith by any means, but I think that there's something that's fundamental. That's not like fundamentalism. There's something that's the spirit and maybe it's in the earth. That's in, in, in this book, the earth has been violated by the coal companies and, and the timber companies by clear cutting. And, you know, the earth has the spirit that's been hurt and injured. That's the real religion for me. Mm. So I don't know if that is evident to you as a reader I'm not sure it's evident to Miracell. I think at one point she says something like, um, I would say if I was, a, I was a mystic, if I believed in such things. Yeah. And, and I think she's kind of on, I think she kind of does believe in such things. And I don't know if she learns to believe in faith in this book, but she does learn to, to trust and to believe in love. And that's part of the spirit to me. <laughs> I think that's one of the interesting things about fiction, and you can speak on this because I you write fiction and nonfiction. Um, with fiction, you can kind of have that extra layer of there are things that the author understands and the reader understands that maybe the narrator is still, or the main character is still working through, and they don't understand entirely, or they're still figuring out Um and I think that's going on a little bit here, or I think that usually goes on in fiction. And I think, and again, like I'm, I don't feel like I'm very good at writing nonfiction. So you can speak to this more than me. I find nonfiction very difficult to write because I think you, you can't hide behind not knowing as much in nonfiction. You kind of have to like know what it all means. 
Um, and I find that more difficult. I find it difficult to be more um, upfront about like what things mean without it seeming like preachy or whatever. Mm. And I, I don't know. I feel like with fiction, you can p play with that a little bit. So you're saying like, I don't, I don't know if Miracell understands this yet. And that's kind of, that's okay. You know, if this was nonfiction, that might seem, I don't know. I think that it, it's a, it's harder for me to write fiction by far. I'm better at writing essays and memoir. I'm pretty straightforward. <laughs> I, you had me in class. I'll just say this is what I'm feeling. I operate on that level a lot. Yeah. I'm better with the nonfiction. With fiction, I'm getting there. I think that it is okay that Miracell doesn't know. I think that if this makes sense, it's part of the reason I added, I, I got more interested in other narrators in this book, Russell and Dally, because I, I wanted to come at this situation from all kinds of angles. So what Miracell doesn't know, maybe the father she's never known does know, mm -hmm. or maybe this this woman, this other this other mother that she had, the step uh, knows. Other people know what I don't know, and maybe if we put them all together, there's a knowing or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So you you kind of answered this already, but I'm just gonna ask to reiterate so when you were first imagining writing this was this going to be all from Miracell's perspective yes okay yeah initially it was going to be all Miracell's perspective and I had in mind and I do that a little bit there's parts of it that are in italics that there's Ruby's journal and there's particularly this thing that's about the night of the snow and she knows already what's going to happen to Russell in the end so I had in mind it all being Miracell's story with this journal, these journal pages. For a while, I had it that Miracell owned the journal and that she he's reading it as we go. And I didn't end up going in that direction. But it, for a long time, it was just her and the journal. And I, then I think more the perspectives <laughs> work. So I think that was a good direction to go in just for what that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever worked on something long enough that you'll think wow when did it become that I don't yeah. even know how it changed into that yeah <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so. yeah it kind of makes you wonder like how many different kinds of books could this have been like oh. <laughs> absolutely I mean for I mean the one part of you know there's the black cat diner mm-hmm that was a short story years and years ago oh, when I was in an MFA program. And for, I mean, I could easily, that alone could have been the book. Yeah. And it's, it became all these other things that came together. So yeah, how many books could it have been? <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking about the Black Cat Diner, one of the things I wanted to ask about was setting. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, I found interesting was this is set in, I mean, it's set in many times, but like a, the majority of the book is set in 93. Uh-huh. Why 1993? <laughs> well, <laughs> well it, partly it was 
uh, a result of sitting in this very room and making these pieces of paper, like and taping it together and making a big long timeline. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, if this is when Ruby is born, and Ruby is X number of years old when she gives birth to Miracell, and then Miracell is 15 or so, almost 16 when Ruby is shot, how old? I mean, it was that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. That produced the, the times. Also, um, I used to go to Knoxville a lot. Um, a friend of mine was in the MFA program there in printmaking, and that was in approximately 93, 94, and she lived in the old city. So I drew from that period of time. I was going to ask about imagine- Knoxville as well, so that answers that question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I imagined Willie's Wonderama, this freak museum, being in Knoxville in the old city. Because when I would visit Carlisle, there was just like wild stuff <laughs> that you would see. It's at, it's at once this sort of modern city, and then you're walking along, and here comes this guy with this gigantic snake wrapped around his neck like a snake handler, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or there would be this charismatic church that was across the road from her apartment. So it was this wild, you know, mix of things. And that's where Knoxville came in. Hmm. <laughs> um, I want to talk about motherhood a little bit as well, because that is obviously like a huge part of the story. Um, and I know that you've written nonfiction about motherhood as well. Um, and I don't know, I mean, obviously you wrote a book about it, so you're comfortable talking about it. Um, I don't I'm know. <laughs> um, Truly. I don't know. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because, it, you know, this is a award-winning nonfiction. I don't know if those experiences inform how you write about motherhood at all in your fiction, if there's anything to that. Well, I think that... I always tell the story of being at an art colony years ago in the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts. And there was this woman, these paintings of different sizes, but in, and she had a, a, a studio, open studio, to see her work. And in every one, there was this little figure, either up this big or maybe a little larger, that was a bear. And she talked about how, for her, that was this representative, an image representative of her father, with whom she had a very complicated relationship, and he was in every work of hers in some way, either literally or just to this little figure. And in the same way for me, excuse me, in the same way for me, I always write about mothering in some way. I write, have written both about my own mother, with whom I had a very difficult and complicated, uh, painful relationship in many ways, And I also write about myself as a mother, having surrendered a child for adoption when I was 15. Even when I think I'm going to write a work and it's not going to be about that at all, I end up writing this work that is about this relationship between mother and child, in this Mm -hmm. case, mother and daughter. So it's something that's kind of always there. How that will be, you know, this is verging in another direction, but not really. I mean, my mother passed away this last March after a very long illness. She had Alzheimer's. Do you remember me talking about that years ago? Maybe not. Not really, no, actually. She got really, really, I mean, bad um, end-stage Alzheimer's, and it was good that she passed. Hmm. So we shall see 
where that goes now in the next work, will I still be writing about this difficult mother and myself as a mother? I don't know. Um, but I do know it's always been there. Sort of like, you know, this sort of primal sort of shadow space. Um, yeah. It, does that answer what you... Were, yeah. What you, and it, I, I just always find that really fascinating, you know, as a writer and as someone who reads a lot, that um, I think we all, all writers have those things that it's like... Subject. Somehow, somehow everything is about that. You know, yes. <laughs> and it's like, and then, you know, people like me will ask you, why do you keep writing about this thing? Or how do these things relate? And you're like, well, everything is obviously everything is about that. So why wouldn't I write about that? You know, I mean, it, it feels like I'm, I'm going to have to keep writing it until I understand it. Mm-hmm. And maybe the real point is there is no understanding it, but it is my subject. Right. And as I say, maybe it won't be. I wish it weren't. I wish now I could relinquish that subject and be done and write about, I don't know, elephants or something. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, even elephants have moms. They're, so. <laughs> that's true. It's like they're great mothers. <laughs> Can't escape them. Everybody's got one. Um, yeah, that's. Did yeah. you see that thing that was on YouTube? It was. It was on Facebook, too. This um, mom, an elephant, there were these, it looked like beams, but I guess they were logs. And the ele- the baby had fallen between them and was on its back and was stuck. And so the mother was spending hours trying to get the baby out, and she couldn't. Oh my and so a mother, like another herd of elephants came, and there was another mother. And the two mothers helped get the baby out and set him up on his feet. Oh, my it was God. just one. So I yeah, love, elephants. I love elephants. <laughs> I love them. I'm gonna have to look that up now. <laughs> I feel like those are my really big questions. My next question, or what I like to ask at the end, really, is the obvious, and you probably get asked this all the time. But what are you up to now? What are you writing? What's next? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I say, wow, because we were talking, Abigail and I, in the bookstore thing, we're talking about that. And she was saying she's finding it almost impossible to write right now mm-hmm. because of the way the world is. And you're sort of in, you know, in your house or in your room. And, you know, and there's, I mean, don't you, the world is so, like, the, even the atmosphere, the air palpably feels heavy to me. Don't you yeah. think so? Yeah. I I have been writing though. I have I have um for one thing I have a small collection of essays coming out in the spring. It's called Voice Lessons and it's going to come from a small press that's in Knoxville called Iris. They mostly do poetry. And I so as well as that, I have um done um, I guess I'm continuously adding to it or starting another one collection of personal essays and the essay collection is called uh, the land between and the I wrote I've written this spring their drafts like drafty drafts uh, three essays that hopefully will be part of that finishing that maybe those are, I don't know, maybe there'll be a different book because all three of those essays are kind of about losing my parents and grief and 
the world grief right now. I mm-hmm. mean, everybody's grieving. They have to be. So yeah. that's what I've done. Essays. It's going to be Don't really. It's going to be really interesting to see what um, art looks like in a year from now. You know, when all the things that people are working on right now start coming out, or you know, oh, God. in the next several years, I guess. But like, and you know, like I heard. Or, you know, all these author events I've been going to, like, um, I heard some authors talking about, like, how are you going to set things in 2020? Like, <laughs> what is that going to look like? Like, uh, how do you, how do you um, write about the pandemic and your narratives? Like, what's, what's that look like? Well, especially when you're in the middle of it, like. This one essay has, <laughs> I don't know if it'll stay like that, but it has a picture in it. And um, I, now that it's hot, I haven't been doing as much, but I've been taking really long walks with June every morning. And um, in one of them, did you see that on Facebook when I posted that picture? I, anyway, it's a path through the woods, and there I found an abandoned mansion. Wow. <laughs> I know. It was like, and there's, it, it, as it turned out, there's a YouTube video about that very mansion. And the video is before the house caught on fire. But it's a three-floor mansion, and the top floor burned, and then all these people. Let me show you a picture of it. This strikes me as what the pandemic is looks. It's a it's a scary picture, if you don't mind that. No, no, I love scary stuff. With this mansion, my God, look at this picture. It'll take me just a second to find it. I take so thousands. Oh, there it is. <laughs> this is upstairs on the second floor. And the house now is like graffitied all over. And here's the picture of, let me take that cord off. Shoot. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Can you see that? Oh my gosh. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Yes. That's sort of what the pandemic feels like to me, or like the world. But isn't it, I mean, just this picture, if you look at it, it's like the bed has a coverlet on it. And it's dirty, and you like you see like the impression of a body or something. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, and then I'm thinking in this room is this how the fire started? They were up there like you know, freebasing or something. But <laughs> but that's that how. But anyway, that is in this essay, this this picture, and I, part of the essay is about my again my mother's in there. And I'm thinking if I could rewind my mother's life and what happened to her and start from that point forward, maybe everything would be okay. And that picture, if I could rewind to the room before it was trashed, mm-hmm. what was this house and who lived there? Maybe the world would be okay. So maybe that's what, I don't know what art will look like, but maybe it'll be about, what do you think it'll look like? I don't know. I haven't been able to write very much. Um, I've been very fortunate in that I've gotten better at reading in the past couple of months, but even that at the beginning of the pandemic, I think was really hard for me. I feel like a lot of people, you know, like people reacting different ways. Like some people are getting like a lot of work done right now, you know? I know. It's amazing to me. Some people, you know, drafted whole books and there's no way. I mean, I actually take a lot of naps, and <laughs> I've been doing that. Sort of school's tarting, so that'll interrupt my nap schedule. But <laughs> yeah. but it's been off and on hard to read, too, to focus. 
Yeah, we've watching been watching white... a lot of TV over here. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Netflix. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm just like, and you know, like, pretty much every time something new comes out right now, like, you know, when musicians are, like, releasing new singles or, like, I don't know, like, even just, like, SNL did, like, a a version of the show, like, where everybody was just, like, doing, like, um zoom sketches and things like that and I was just I'm just amazed that anybody is able to make art right now and like so thankful for it because like my brain is just not there (laughs) like I can't and maybe that has to do with the anxiety we were talking about earlier maybe like anxiety is uh making me feel a little like frozen um but all those people who are still creating right now I'm just like, I'm so thankful for that. And it makes me really hopeful because like you said, it does feel like a very heavy, very serious time. And the only thing that's going to get us through it is having people continue to create and continue to make art and continue to write. And so I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm thankful that some people are still doing it, even if I can't, I guess. And you are, anyway. I believe that part of, for me anyway, part of the writing comes from me walking around, carrying it around in my head. That's why I'm such a space cadet with people <laughs> often, because I'm in my head thinking of what, you know, half this half of my brain's thinking about what I'm writing. Yeah. Don't you do that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think about what I'm writing way more than I actually write it. <laughs> right? so. Me too. <laughs> This essay that's about rewinding, though, that was different. I mean, I just sat down and started something. I had no idea what it was going to be about. That felt really different. You know, it broke through something. And but thank, you're right. Thank God people are doing music. They're doing art. Thank mm-hmm. God, really, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am so glad to see you. Yeah. You look, you look beautiful. Oh, thank you. I washed my hair for you, so. I did not. I put my hair up in this thing. I'll let it down. And I washed it, like, a couple of days ago. But I really enjoyed the book. And, it, like, just full disclosure, because, like, I just finished it earlier today. So I was, like, it's very fresh in my mind right now. So I feel like I'm still processing some of it. But um, I really enjoyed it. Um, all right. Thank you so much. Bye. Have a good evening. Bye. You too. want to check out this book it's called wanting radiance and it's available now cool uh we have a little bit of listener feedback from darcy in wyoming uh darcy just messages me her like updates on because she's like going through her back catalog and like reading all of the books and then she'll send me like her one sentence opinion Mm -hmm. and then i have pieced them all together (laughs) Uh, I hope, Darcy, I hope you don't mind me reading these. Uh, so, she says, so these are all, like, were sent separately, but I just kind of put them all in one message, so. 
I have finished The Trespasser and American War. I had a hard time getting into The Trespasser. I like the second half much better than the first. I would recommend it to a person who loves mysteries. American War was very creepy in a good way. There was a line in there that fit our times. Quote, they are trying to change history. Can you imagine if this happened today? It, it feels like it's happening <laughs> today, let me tell you. Um, I liked the character of Surratt. She was so daring. I couldn't put it down. The Trespasser was given a three and American War a four. Uh, the Leftovers was very entertaining. Being a Christian and thinking about the rapture, this book made me smile. However, I will probably be the one that gets left behind. <laughs> I did not like how the book ended, um, which I won't say in case you don't want to I honestly book. don't remember. Uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> I remember enjoying it. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, and then, it was fun. Yeah. I, I like that book a lot. Um. Goodbye Vitamin was a good read. The relationships in the book were great. I have had family members who have had dementia, and it's hard. I tell people to keep your humor. Um, I would recommend both of these books in a heartbeat. I also finished The Water Dancer, and I loved your discussion. So what did you think of the Thank book? You. Darcy, you have read so I know. many books. I know. Darcy, really? you got to pat yourself on the back for getting I know. I can't believe... so many books lately. I know. I feel like you're going to catch up with us, and then you'll just be like waiting on us. She reads extremely fast. <laughs> She did catch up. She caught up. She t- she uh, messaged me on Twitter the other day. She was like, I am officially caught up. And I was like, oh my I know. god. She reads so much read faster so than fast, me. Yes, yeah. tell us your secrets. <laughs> I'm notorious for yeah. barely finishing every That's single like time. Three Although years this one I have books. hours to spare. I was pretty proud. Hours. I had a full hour to spare. So. But what's on the blog? Oh, I don't know. Oh man, so much stuff. Um Yeah. I did um on Instagram I did a well ask me anything about O C D um and my experience with it. This is really all I could really think to write about recently because it's kind of all my experience has been recently. <laughs> because 2020 has just been a major mental health challenge for a lot of people. And that's fine. That's fine. Um, but anyway, I answered people's questions about it. Um, it's kind of long, but if you've ever had any questions about OCD or whatever, please go read it. And if you happen to have an additional question that wasn't there, I'm happy to answer that too. Yes, it's awesome that you did that, and I still have to read it. I'm, like, a little behind on the blog. Well, it'll take forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> Block some time. I actually I actually just read it right before we recorded. You're a better person so. than me. I got to do it's that. It's fresh. I'm always so late. <laughs> it was good, Susan. Todd wrote a blog post about the Dungeons & Dragons actual play show Dimension 20. Mm, that sounds real nerdy, Todd. From college, sounds real nerdy. It's real nerdy. <laughs> it's from College Humors. Uh, sort of like little network dropout. But it's really funny. And I don't know. It's just a lot of fun. So he goes through some of the reasons why you might want to check it out. I have written something very cool. <laughs> which is a mystery. Yeah, Kelly might also have a mystery. I might, I considered, I'm considering writing about why the 1998 Godzilla movie is a perfect analog for our current time. Yeah, since Ben (laughs) made you watch it recently. The Matthew Broderick one? 
Yeah. Yes. Ben, ben forced them to watch it, and I was like, that sounds like a great opportunity for me to work and not watch that with you guys. <laughs> ben was like, Emily wants me to leave. Can I come watch Godzilla? <laughs> That's not how it happened. He was like, what are, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, I don't know why. And he was like, I want to watch Godzilla. And I was like, I'm working. <laughs> That's more like it. You're like, he was like, what are you doing tonight? And you said, good. I don't know, but yeah. not watching guns. Well, I, we were just watching it, and like at every turn, uh, you know, some character would be like, hey, I think something bad is going to happen. Hmm. And everyone else would just be like, no. <laughs> no, it's fine. And like, the entirety of New York was under attack by a giant lizard creature, a.k.a. Godzilla. And the mayor was like, but what about the economy? Mm-hmm. People have to work. It's true. Yeah. I'm just saying. Good point. Um, I can't fair. even, it's funny, but I can't even laugh. Because it's like. Too real. Also, Too it's real. real. I was going to write about I May Destroy You, and then I realized that, like, I watched the eighth episode, and I was like, oh, damn, like, that was crazy. And then I realized that the series is going to have 12 episodes. And I was like, I thought that was going to be the finale. And I was like, a little bit like, that's like a weird place to end it, but okay. (laughs) Uh, It's not over. So instead, I'm going to write about Insecure. Oh, oh so all right. I'm going to start watching that so that I can read your blog. Yes, everyone should watch it. It's great, and it's funny, and it's, like, it's, like, the perfect show to watch right now because it's, like, escapist but still feels like you are doing something good for the soul by watching Are they 30-minute episodes? Yeah. Perfect. What I love is... A 30 minute show because then I tell myself like oh I have time to watch just one and then I watch three yeah exactly and it has great music well, I just so got a note flipped under hot. the door man so many hot <laughs> and lots of great sex what does it say <laughs> no get out of here Godzilla ben. is a national he just flipped this <laughs> under the door wow oh we didn't God. even have to ask a man this time a man, a man we sent got, us a We a got note. feedback during the <laughs> recording of the show. <laughs> Thanks for your feedback, Coming Ben. Live from Emily's living room. <laughs> that segment was called A Man Tells Us, even though we didn't ask. <laughs> also on the blog, YA Book Club is here. Run, it's going strong. We're deep and in we are it. reading The Circus Rose. The Circus Rose by Betsy Cornwell. It's honestly buck wild in a lot of ways. So I'm very early on, but so far what I know is that we've got twins with different dads uh, who are in a walk. circus. <laughs> um, and it's based on the fairy tale Snow White and Rose Red, which is, if you have read the fairy tale Snow White and Rose Red, it's a pretty crazy fairy tale in the first place. It's honestly, it's got it. My grandmother always used to call me and my cousin Snow White and Rose Red because one of us was blonde and one of us had brown hair. I was the one with brown hair. (laughs) (laughs) 
thanks for um letting us know <laughs> the listeners might we not be able- sure. i know i sound blonde guys but <laughs> <laughs> this is four brunettes um, in a book four brunettes in a book yep that's the, that was the original name of the this podcast um <laughs> so yeah ya book club that's coming up in a couple of days after this gets published um i've also put some blogs out there in the world i wrote about vivarium which is a movie starring imogen poots and jesse eisenberg and if you're feeling really uh crazy right now being stuck in your house maybe this is not the movie to watch um but you know if you want to feel a little bit crazier go for it um and i just finished reading mexican gothic by sylvia moreno garcia we've covered um sylvia moreno garcia on the podcast before we talked about her book um which is gods called i'm giving myself gods time of to say jade and shadow gods of jade gods and, shadow. and shadow thank you um blank, this is, blank and blank. <laughs> yeah this is her most recent book which is nothing like gods of jade and shadow um and yeah so i am reviewing that on the blog nice uh question do you think imogen poots has not received the acclaim that she deserves because her last name is Poots. Because <laughs> I do. Because <laughs> I do. She is an excellent actress and has been Stop in many it. things, and yet still, she's not really famous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. It's a, it's a bad last name. Yes, go for it. On our next other episode, we will be talking about the secret garden? Question mark? We said we were going to talk about the Secret Garden before, and we were burned once. So I just yeah. Hopefully, it is correct that it is coming out. Their official Twitter account said that it was. Uh, it mm-hmm. is probably coming out on VOD, meaning we're probably going to have to rent it for like or like rent it for like twenty dollars or something. Which at this point is like yeah, basically like what I would be paying to go to the movies. So. Uh, in New York, it's very expensive here. Minus all the movie-going experience. <laughs> yeah. I can make popcorn yeah. in my house. And, like, mm-hmm. you guys all have a person you could, could watch it with. I could open the window and throw some popcorn And that would have been two Emily. tickets. You know, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I, however, am alone. Plus, do you have access to kittens and puppies no. at the movie theater? Well, I did go to a movie at a cat cafe in Australia, and, uh, Okay, well, that's that was great. That's fancy it, as fuck. It was aliens, and we got uh, movie theater themed lattes. Wow, and we had kitties cuddling in our lap. Imagine, and it was just traveling. a good time. I know. And I imagine it like every day. Allergy ridden experience for me, just <sighs> in a closed room. With a bunch of cats. So many cats. So many cats, Susan. Uh, what's our next book? Eyes of Watering. Emily. Or Susan. Oh. <laughs> I thought this was Emily. Yeah, that ain't in my book. <laughs> Every time I pick a book, I'm like, that's so far away. And then it's yeah, like, I whoa. I have to talk <laughs> about that book now. <laughs> um, on the next book episode, we are reading We Set the Dark on Fire by Taylor K. Mejia. That is how I heard two booktubers pronounce that today. That's so what I would think. I'm hoping it's right. I thought it was going to be Mejia. Mejia. No, it's Mejia. Mm. Anyway. Um, it's 
another school book. <laughs> wow, we're on a roll. Yeah. We keep doing this accidentally. We're like two books in a row have something big in common, <laughs> like their title, Ninth House, Gideon the Ninth, <laughs> or these. It's me and Susan. Both at a school. <laughs> Ninth House also at a school. Um, I don't think there's any magic, but. I don't really know, because I've been trying to not look at that much about it, because I picked it, like, a long time ago, and I can't remember why. It seems more dystopian. It's, like, a dystopian, sort of, like, Handmaid's Tale-type school for girls where they get trained to, like, uh, be good wives or some shit. Yes, that's right. It's, like, a training school for for girls to serve other people, pretty much. Um, Yeah. And I think there is a lesbian romance yes. in it as well. So again, another connection to the book we just read. Um, but I'm sure they're very different, and it will be a totally different experience. I think this is a YA book, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't which... do. Yeah, but we are. Look, so. I, I love a YA book. Obviously, Mary and I, as the founding members and only members of YA Book Club, <laughs> are here for a YA book. Um, there is a, this is the first in, I don't know if it's going to be a series or if it's just this one and a sequel, but the second book to follow this one up came out this year. So hopefully this is a good time to read the first one. And then maybe if you're already ready for the next one, it's already there. Yay. Yay. Um, if you have any comments or questions about the book that we read this time, about future books, about anything we've ever covered on the podcast, please write us at thesquad at booksquadgoals.com. We're on social media at booksquadgoals on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please follow us on Twitter if you have a Twitter. Uh, we don't have that many followers on Twitter, and Twitter's really hard to get followers on. So please follow us. Especially if you're like me and you never go this on there. This is my gentle plea. Um... um <laughs> If and you know, you know, apparently, if you live with one of us, we are now accepting notes slipped under the door. Yeah, we accept carrier pigeon. We accept. Uh, <laughs> if you can somehow find my phone number, feel free to send me a text. Um, you know, send us feedback any way that you want, but please send us feedback. Also, please subscribe. We are available on any podcast app that you listen to. A li- podcasts on which i'm sure you realize because you're probably listening to us on that app right now but you should subscribe and you should go to uh apple podcasts and leave us a rating and review that would be so helpful we can always use that um tell your friends about us tell us what you like about us tell us what you didn't like and we'll try not to be mean in return um, just kidding. No, we're always accepting feedback and criticism. <laughs> so please, if we ever say something stupid, let us know. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening, and we also want to remind you to continue uh, staying inside if you can, wearing masks, practicing social distancing, um, being a person who cares about other people in the world, participating in... Uh, social movements, remembering that Black Lives Matter, continuing to engage with work of people of color, and just try to be open to learning stuff. Please. Mm. All said, Kelly. Yeah, I, I'm 
I'm so good at talking. It's wild. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Goodbye. Bye.